Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. You know, it's funny, I was, you know, talking to my wife just as before I came up. And you, you feel this pressure whenever you speak. Give me one second. Whenever you speak, whenever you open up God's word, there's like this pressure that you put on yourself. And especially, this is a new church. I, I know some faces, but most of you guys, you don't know me. I don't know you. Um, but there's this, there's this pressure that you put upon yourself whenever you open up God's word. And there, there should be some sense of pressure, right? Like, we're, we're, we're looking at God's word. We're, we're looking at the scripture. I want to handle it with care. Um, but then there's also just this pressure, like, man, I, I hope these guys like me. You know, like, you think those thoughts. I hope they, I hope I can connect with them. You know, this is, a, again, it's a new church. I hope I can connect with them. So you put, you put all this pressure on yourself. And this morning as I was praying, God was just like, it ain't about you. It ain't about you. You know, I'm just a messenger. I get a chance to, to look at God's word. But we meet God in his word. And the Lord does use teachers and preachers to, to, to motivate us and to instruct us and to help us. But it's really God's word where the power is at. It's really God's word that changes lives. And so I just want to say that because, um, again, there's pressure that you can put upon yourself. But let, let's let God's word speak to us this morning. Let's let God's word uh, instruct us and challenge us. And so we're going to be looking at Matthew 14, the story of Jesus walks on the water. Um, but before we look at the scriptures, go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Lord, I, I thank you. I thank you that we get a chance to, to look at your word this morning. I thank you that we get a chance to, um, to sing songs about coming to the altar, Lord. Um, thank you that we are a child of you, Lord, children of you. And Lord, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, um, that you would speak through us, through your word. God, maybe this message is for one person in this audience. Maybe it's for all. Um, I know it's for me. And so we, God, we thank you. God, thank you. It's about making your name higher and not our name. Thank you. It's about making your kingdom grow and not our kingdom. God, John said, uh, you, must, you must increase and I must decrease. And God, that's my prayer this morning, is that you, you would increase that I would decrease. God, that your name would be lifted and our names would be lowered. God, more of you and less of me, less of us, because when there's more of us, there's less of you. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would meet us through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Matthew 14, before we jump into the text, just, just some context. Uh, Jesus just found out that John the Baptist, one of his buddies, was beheaded and it was murdered. And so Jesus is on his way to kind of get some alone time, right? He needs, he needs some alone time. But as he's going to get some alone time, there's a alone time, there's a massive crowd that's following him. And so the scripture says that Jesus has compassion on them. And so he begins to interact with this crowd. And then we know that, you know, the story, the context, he actually feeds the 5,000. He performs a miracle. He feeds the 5,000. And then the scripture says that he dismisses the crowd. He tells his disciples, his followers, his friends, to get into a boat and to go to the other side of the, uh, the lake. And this is kind of where we pick up. All right? He just heard the news of, of his friend dying. There's a massive crowd. He performed a miracle. And now we're in the, the text where Jesus is going to walk on water. So let's go ahead and read it. 
Matthew 14, starting at verse 22. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So he's getting his alone time. Finally, when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. I want to just focus real quick on that word beaten, all right? Some versions say that the boat was buffeted, that it was battered. Guys, this is a serious storm that's happening right now. And for hours, the disciples are battling this storm. They're, they're being beaten by the waves. I think of, uh, for those that grew up in the city, you know, in the summer times, what happens during the summer times? The, the pump goes up, right? If you grew up young, when you were younger, the pumps went on and the fire hydrant came on and what, you were out in the street getting wet by the, by the, by the, by the water, right? And the, the, the force of that water, if you try to go up to it as a little kid, what would happen to you? Boom, it would push you right into the middle of the street. I got some, I got some people shaking their head. Well, think about that force, the force of water hitting you, right? Well, this is what's going on in, in some sense. I'm just trying to connect it to New York City. In some sense, there's this massive storm, and the disciples are on the, on, on the, ocean, the, the, the lake, and they're getting, they're getting battered by all this, this water, right? Well, you keep reading. It says, by the, and in the fourth watch, verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now, here's the deal. As I read this, verse 25, I, I ask the question, what's the fourth watch? Right? What is the fourth watch? One of the, here's a quick little side note. One of the best ways to study the Bible is to answer your own questions. One of the best ways to study the Bible is to answer your own questions. So as I read this, I'm like, yo, what's the fourth watch? Well, the Romans, right? This is written in the culture of, of the Roman period, right? They divided the night into four watches. So their nighttime started at 6 p.m. So 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., that's watch one. 9 p.m. to 12 a.m., second watch. 12 a.m. to 3 a.m., 3 a.m., the third watch. And then 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., the fourth watch. So Jesus comes to the disciples somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Think about that. It's like, I don't know if the sun is coming up yet, yeah, I doubt it, but he comes to them fairly early in the morning. And so... Verse 26, right? When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Listen, if you saw somebody walking on the water at 3 a.m. in the morning, what you going to do? I'm going to have the same response. I'm, somebody said scream, right? I'm going to try to jump out of the boat and try to get to the land if I could. Remember, there was, a, there was waves, you know, so maybe I wouldn't do that. But listen, this is, this is crazy, right? When they saw the disciples walking, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. And then verse 27, this is where I'm going to focus the most of my time in this message, is verse 27. It says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. I'll read it again. But Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, do you guys say take heart? Take heart. It is I, you say it is I. Do not be afraid. You say, do not be afraid. And for the rest of my message, I want to focus on just that verse. And two things in that verse. The first thing I want to focus on is Jesus's his impl implications. When he uses the word, take heart. You guys say, take heart. Take heart. What does that mean? What does that mean? That word, take heart, it means to have courage. 
It means to be bold. And so Jesus says, take heart. And you notice, as you read the rest of the story, Peter, Peter speaks up. Right, one of the disciples speaks up and he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Why would Peter make that request? You think about that. First of all, remember, this is a, this is a storm, right? Jesus is walking on the water. They've been battling the storm for maybe nine hours. Jesus comes to them. They're afraid. He says, take heart. And then Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to walk on the water. Listen, you know why Peter says that? Because Jesus says, take heart. Jesus is saying, hey, be bold. Jesus is saying, take a risk, right? And so Peter, he responds with, Lord, if, it's, if, it, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Listen, I would have been like, Jesus, but if it is you, how many things I got, I got behind my back? Or I would have said something else, like, Jesus, if it is you, what am I thinking right now? But I think Jesus' words, take heart, it speaks to something that Jesus was trying to get at. Jesus was trying to get his disciples specifically to, to be bold, to take courage. And so that's why Peter responds the way he responds. Peter responds by saying, Lord, if it is you, command me to walk on the water. And we know the rest of the story if we grew up in church, right? Peter walks on the water. He loses sight of Jesus. He begins to, to fall. And Jesus rescues them. And see, Jesus rescues him and says, oh, you have little faith. Right? We'll read the rest of the story in a little bit. But Jesus says, take heart. Jesus says, take heart. It is I do not be afraid. And we see Peter's response. Now, one of the things that uh, I want to challenge us this morning to think about is where in your life might the Lord be calling you to exercise courage? Think about your life right now. Think about the things you're experiencing. We all have different experiences. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different walks. The different things that we're dealing with. But where in your life might the Lord, might Jesus be calling you to exercise courage? Where in your life might the Lord be calling you to be bold? To be bold. And you know, when you exercise courage, when you're bold, there's a ton of risk involved. It's, it's risky to be bold. It's risky to take steps of faith. Sometimes we don't want to do that. Out of comfort, we want to, we want to stay right, we want to stay seated, not there. We want to stay seated over here. Right? We want to we stay in our comfort zone. But God, the, the, the longer you're in relationship with God, God calls you to places where it's uncomfortable. He calls you to move from your comfort zone to something uncomfortable. And he calls you to be bold. And he calls you to take courage. And he tells you to take heart. And he tells you to take a risk. I remember a couple years ago, I was at Grand Street Campus High School. I went into the, the cafeteria. And there was all this commotion going on. All this yelling and screaming. And there was a basketball being flung back and forth. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And I noticed this, this dude, this kid, Peter, he's like, he's like monkey in the middle. Right? He's going from one side trying to get his ball. They throw it, and, he's, and, they're, and they're picking on this kid. Picking on this kid, Peter, right? This group of kids picking on him. And so I walk up, and I say, give me the ball. And they're like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, snap, all right. I need to, I need to figure out how I'm going to maneuver this. I was like, guys, give, give Peter the ball. They weren't even listening to me. Like, I'm more of an authority figure. They weren't even listening to me. I said, here's the deal. I'll, pay, I'll play you. For the basketball, 50 bucks. They're like, what? I said, I'll play you one-on-one -on -one for the basketball. And so this massive crowd of kids that were picking on Peter, they're like, all right, let's go, let's go. So we start walking to the gym, and I have this massive crowd of kids behind me, and I'm like, yo, I don't even have 50 bucks on me right now. 
If I lose, this is not, not going to be good. But I felt like, listen, I need to do something. This kid, Peter, was being picked on. They were taking this ball. I needed to have courage. I needed to take a step of faith. And so I get into the gym. I said, listen, I'm an old man. You've got to give me the ball first. So they checked me the ball. The kid never touched the ball. Spanked him. 5-0. It was, it was it. And I said, give me the ball. I took the ball, and I gave it to Peter. Well, a couple weeks later, I run into Peter, right? And we're hanging out. We're talking. I said, hey, let's, go, let's just go hang out at McDonald's and talk for a little bit. And I, I get to know Peter a little bit better. Peter and I grew up in the same area in the South Bronx. Peter and I went to, to similar elementary schools, similar stories. He, he grew up in foster care. I grew up in foster care. And as we're sitting over McDonald's eating fries and eating a burger, I began to talk about the love and the hope of Jesus Christ to this young kid, Peter. Now listen, that would have never happened if I hadn't taken the step to be courageous in that cafeteria, to be bold and to take a risk. Where is God calling you today to be bold? To take heart, to be courageous, to be like Peter. Where is God calling you? Keep look, looking at the scripture, verse uh, 27 of, of Matthew 14. Again, Jesus comes walking to them on the sea. They're terrified. It's a ghost. They crowd in fear. And Jesus says, take heart. But the other thing that Jesus says at the very end, he says what? Do not be afraid. You guys say, do not be afraid. He said, do not be afraid. <laughs> Listen, that, that word, that word, it means fright. You know, it means like, like there's this fear that overtakes you. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I remember um, I went to high school in New Hampshire. I played basketball in New Hampshire. And uh, one winter day, we were going to pick up uh, one of the kids from the gym. And uh, as we were leaving... My buddy, his his brother was in the woods, like chopping down, chopping down a tree. So that's what they do in New Hampshire. I guess they chop down trees, whatever. So we're on our way back. We come back, and um, we come to this fork in the road on his property. We can go right or we can go left. And we look right, and Ben, the brother, is in the woods, and he's looking at us, and he's waving his hands like this. And we're like, why is he doing that? Well, I look up and I see this massive tree coming towards the car that we're in. And I start to freak out. My buddy John tries to put the car in reverse to back up, but it's wintertime. There's ice. And so the wheels are just spinning. The wheels are just spinning. I try to jump out real quick. That's not going to work. And I just jump onto my buddy John. The tree literally landed within five feet of us. Some of the branches hit the back of the car. Like that, I, would, I, I came out of the car and I was just shaking like this. I was, I was afraid. I was, I was petrified. I thought I was going to die that day. And thank God we actually didn't back up. Because if we would have backed up, the tree, the angle of the tree, the way the car was backed up, it would have it crushed us. So God was protecting us. But that sense of fear, that sense of fear, I know it's a different story. But if you see something, somebody walking on the water at 3 a.m. in the morning, how are you going to respond? Right? We walk through parts of the city and we're like, there's fear sometimes. There could be fear sometimes. Jesus says, in the midst of that, he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Listen, fear, it's, an, it's, a, it's a natural emotion, right? We, it's an emotion that many of us, we, we experience. But how do we respond to that is important. How do we deal with the fear is key. How do we deal with that? And, you know, several years ago when uh, my wife and I, well, we weren't, we weren't mad at the time, 
I was just dating her. We were dating for two years, and uh, I was like, yo, why haven't I popped the question yet? Like, why haven't I proposed to her? And I began to wrestle with that question, and I realized, you know what was, what was, what, what was the issue? I was afraid. I was afraid. There was fear that I, that, that I was wrestling with. Like, what would, how, would I be a good husband? You know, there's all these questions. And that summer, the Lord took me on a study. I did a two-month study on the word fear. I looked at every verse in the Bible with the word fear. And I began to see some patterns and some themes as I studied that, that word fear. And again, as I said, fear is a, it's a natural reaction. But sometimes it's a natural reaction to an inaccurate picture. You know what I'm saying? We don't see the full picture. Peter, the disciples that were chilling in the boat, in the, well, not chilling in the boat, as they were being battered and beaten by the waves, as they saw this ghost that they thought was a ghost, they had an accurate picture. The picture was, it was Jesus. Jesus was walking on the water. And in the midst of that, Jesus says, listen, do not be afraid. Take heart. Take heart. It is I. It is I. And so in the midst of situations where God calls us to take risks, where God calls us to take both, guys, listen, we have to, to realize that fear will come up. But how do we respond to fear is key. Our response to fear is key. And there are a couple of things that I want to encourage you guys to think about as you think about responding to fear. The first thing is we, we must focus on God's promises. We must focus on God's promises. You know, some of y'all probably wondered, how does you got five kids in like seven, eight years? Like, what, what's going on in the house, all right? Um, listen, we got a honeymoon baby, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to embarrass you. <laughs> well, we had a honeymoon baby. I just embarrassed you. Dang. I'm going to get it afterwards. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but um, I remember that first several months, you know, my wife and I, we, we, we would, we would kind of go at it a little bit. And I remember there was about a month into our marriage, I, I, I blamed my wife that we, we got pregnant so quick. And I remember in that moment, my wife, she, I remember tears coming down her eyes. And she said, it's my fault. And I remember that moment, I had to, like, I felt like God shined a spotlight on my life. He goes, Moses, really, it's fear. You blaming her because of fear. You're blaming her because of all these things. And I remember, uh, Later that, uh, later, that, later that week, I began to pray. I began to process some things. And as I was praying, God took me on a little journey. He took me to the South Bronx, where as a little kid, we would, we would stand on lines for food. And he says, I was Jehovah Jireh. He goes, he took me to uh, the home that I eventually got placed in, uh, where the lady would become my adopted mother. He goes, I was Jehovah Jireh. He took me to the time when I was figuring out how the, how the heck am I going to pay for college. And God provided the scholarship. I was Jehovah Jireh. God's promises. He's always been Jehovah Jireh throughout our lives. And I, I just, God just took me and says, I am Jehovah Jireh. You're fearful that I will not provide for this little one that's being knitted right now in your wife's womb. But I am Jehovah Jireh. Focus on my promises. Do not let fear control you. Do not let fear paralyze you. Focus on my promises. And guys, we must do that as we move towards places where it's uncomfortable, as we take steps of faith, as we're bold, as we take heart, there will be fear. And we must focus on God's promises. The second thing is we must focus on God's deliverance, right? God 
will deliver us. And we see in, in, the, in the situation with Peter, let's finish reading the rest of the story, right? It says, and Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked in the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus just ignored him? Nah, right? Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, the wind stopped. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. God delivered Peter in the midst of his lack of faith. Dependence on God's deliverance is key. Is key. The last thing that I want to say in terms of fear is that we must trust in God's overarching plan. We must trust in God's overarching plan. Like God is at work in our lives. Like God is at work in ways that we don't even see. There's a, there's a line of thinking where they say God created the world and he kind of just dipped and left the world to run on its own. Like there's a, there's a philosophy out there that believes that. That everything is just kind of accidental. It's just, God just kind of, he wound the clock, the clock is on its own, and he's just like this. But I look at the scripture, and I look at the Bible, I look at my lives, you probably can, you, you probably can relate to this as well. You look at your own life, and you see, oh, God was there when I was struggling, when I couldn't pay those bills. God was there when I had questions about this. God showed up. God is at work. The Bible talks about this idea of providence. Right? God is interacting with his created world. He's interacting with us. He's not just distant. And we have to remember that, that God is at work in the midst of our fears. God is at work. And the question I want to ask you guys, as you think about fear, what are you forfeiting? What are you like foregoing because fear is pushing faith around? Like what are you losing because you're, you're allowing your fear to control you? as opposed to stepping out in faith, as opposed to being bold. This morning, I asked you guys to think about a couple questions. Where in your life is God calling you to exercise courage? Where in your life where might fear be pushing out faith? Well, these are questions that each of you guys will answer very differently. But I want to encourage you guys to take time, maybe today, maybe the week, to think about those questions. Where is God calling you to be bold? Where is uh, fear pushing faith around? And as we wrap up, I just want to read one final verse. Verse 33 of Matthew 14. It says, well, let's start at verse 32. It says, when the, they got into the boat, the wind ceased, it stopped. And those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Guys, that I think the, the point of this passage is not so much about taking steps of faith, where there's a, there's a theme there. It's not so much about fear, there is a theme there, but really it's about the disciples, see, the disciples seeing that Jesus was truly the Son of God. Him walking on the water, it wasn't just for a show. Him feeding the 5,000 before that, it wasn't just to, yo, let me show off my skills. It was all about so that people would know that he truly is the Son of God. And so even as we take steps of faith, even as we're bold, and even as we battle and deal with our fear, guess what? We will fall just like Peter. We will crave and we will, we will crumble sometimes into our fear. But God is still, God is still God. 
Truly you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for those that are, that are here. And God, I want to thank you that we get a chance, again, to, to look at a, a familiar story. And God, there's nothing that I've said that is, <laughs> that is new. God, risk, boldness, steps of faith, fear. God, these are things you've all heard before. But God, thank you that you do call us to step out of the boat. You do call us to, to take heart, to be bold. And so, Lord, I want to pray that this morning, that those that are under, are under the sound of my voice, God, that they would reflect on that. And God, they would allow you to, um, to direct them to where they need to take those steps of faith. Father God, help us to not let fear get in the way, but to remember your words, to do not be afraid. So God, thank you that you truly are, you truly are the Son of God, that you are Lord of all creation, God, and that you're Lord of the seas, and God, that you're Lord of our lives. And we pray that we would allow you to be the Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.